It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Good afternoon and welcome back to Doug's Daily Double for Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. And as a reminder, on each episode, I bring you two topics from around the world of college football, five to ten minutes per topic, just a taste, just a taste, just a just a just a bit, just a little little hint of what's going on in the world and my opinions on it. So let's jump into it for today. Uh signing day. Signing day special today, or signing day, uh, you know, episode today. We have obviously the national signing day coming up on tomorrow, Wednesday, February first. So we got two topics on that. I'm going to touch on today. Just first of all, overall, kind of where Oregon sits in in this uh, in the signing day eve. There's really two commits to watch for tomorrow. Three potentially. Um, of course, five star Nicholas Harbor, the athlete out of dc area and then we've got four star roderick pleasant from southern california um db slash wide receiver and of course uh then tight end deuce robinson out of arizona being the third so let's touch on each of those individually um nicholas harbour of course you know someone that i remember when we first got wind of him you know as a football recruit about a year ago maybe last summer um you know, some videos started coming out. Oregon offered him, and we all kind of watched his his film and kind of freaked out at that point in time. And for most of the cycle, I think um, everyone was looking at him as an edge player because that's probably where his biggest upside is on the football field. Um, and Oregon kind of dropped out of that, you know, recruitment. There wasn't a lot of interest there, uh, maybe both ways, or maybe certainly from Harbor's side toward Oregon. So they really hadn't been in his com- uh, commitment for most of the cycle. And then over the last couple months, they've kind of jumped back into it or jumped back up. And, and primarily a lot of that's coming out of the track side. So uh, he's he's a guy who is a is a great sprinter um, and wants to really he has a goal of making the Olympics as a sprinter, wants to really focus on both track and football in college and also in maximizing his brand. So that Oregon has really come back into the picture of late on this. The other finalists being Michigan, South Carolina, Maryland. Uh, I think Miami was the, the other finals, but really I think it's an Oregon versus South Carolina battle with, um, you know, Maryland kind of being the home team that's, that's lingering. I think personally, the fact that track is such a big emphasis, I think eliminates Maryland in my mind. If, if it's truly a focus, he, he can't go to Maryland track. Uh, they just don't have the facilities. They don't have the program. They don't have the athletes on the, the kind of the track acumen to, to help him maximize his his track goals and that's not a knock on maryland it's just the facts uh, it's it's a program that hasn't they're not at that level uh, as a track program so south carolina of course does have a track program and then of course we all know about oregon's track program and facilities and stadium and everything else that, that they have to offer in that realm so uh nicholas was on a visit to oregon along with uh, a lot of his family and and some other advisors this past weekend Obviously, the buzz coming out of that visit was great, as as they always are on all visits. Um, 
And it, I think it's just going to come down to, you know, where does he see himself? I think for Oregon, if we, if Oregon was on the East Coast, I think it would be a no-brainer. I think the distance is probably a factor, as it is for a lot of these guys coming from the East Coast. And, and South Carolina offers a, a really good track program of their own. Um, obviously, they play football in the SEC, and and they have, you know, they have a, a good recruiting staff there as well. And it, it sounds like they're offering a, a very good NIL package for Harbor. So I think it's going to be between those two schools. As I'm speaking, um, Steve Wiltfong put in a crystal ball for South Carolina. So that could be the clincher. Uh, usually his crystal balls are, are pretty darn accurate, especially this late in the game. So I think that could be the, the signal that Oregon um, was not able to close the deal on distance here in the 11th hour. Um, you know, certainly disappointing. Uh, you know, Harbor's a guy, he's a unique athlete, right? And especially, you know, he was coming here, he's going to be a pass catcher. Whether you call him a wide receiver, whether you call him a, uh, a receiving tight end, it doesn't matter. It's it's nomenclature. At the end of the day, he's going to line up, um, you know, he's going to line up, you know, split or in the slot or, you know, somewhere outside the line of scrimmage, and he's going to run down the field and catch passes. So, from that standpoint, his speed and size combination presents uh, a pretty compelling matchup problem for a lot of defenses, and that would have been would have been great to see, you know, or will be great to see if he ends up coming to Oregon. Um, but I think really the loss from Oregon is probably a bigger, assuming that the crystal ball is correct, the loss is probably bigger, honestly, on the track side of the program, like and the and the visibility and brand awareness and kind of hype you know he signed a nicholas harbour signed an nil deal with champ sports um this week so i think the the visibility that him being in the track program would have brought to that program and to oregon's brand as a whole would, would certainly be a benefit i think you know as my my friend uh, qb11 said like the the fit between oregon's branding apparatus um uh, in track and football and just overall the oregon like Oregon and Nike connection and ability to build that brand and build that name was seem, seemingly a perfect fit for Nicholas Harbor and the, and his skill set and what he brings to his table and what his goals are. Um, so I think that was the pitch, and I think Oregon made a really strong pitch there, and and um, you know we'll see how it stands out. But but ultimately, if he does end up going to South Carolina, um, you know certainly a loss to the potential of what he could be in the future on the football field. But I think personally, it's probably a bigger loss for kind of the, the overall track program and the and the visibility and spotlight you know that that could have been on Oregon. You know, assuming he he reaches his potential um, in the track in the track world as well. So. Uh, the other the other two commitments to watch for, you know, I'll touch briefly on tight end Deuce Robinson. It's not a commitment that Oregon's really been involved in. They've kind of been lingering in the back for most of the cycle. He did come out a month or so ago and say ah, he might want to try to visit Oregon um, during January. Didn't make it up for a visit. Oregon's really if if uh, Deuce Robinson commits somewhere and signs his letter of intent tomorrow, it will not be to Oregon. Um, 100%. It'll most likely be to Georgia, potentially USC. Uh, it seems like Georgia has all the buzz lately. But the the latest stuff coming out around Deuce Robinson are that he actually might not commit and might not sign a letter of intent. Um, he's a baseball player as well, and he's, he's potentially going to be a, a baseball draft pick this, this spring. So I think he might decide, based on information that's come out, he might decide to wait on football, see what happens in baseball. And if he's drafted high enough and gets a good enough deal, he may sign a minor league baseball contract and then decide to walk on as a football player at, at some university of his choosing. So that would be the only shot that Oregon would have to, to secure him um, in their roster later down the road. Um, 
I'm not saying it's likely. I'm just saying that keeps the door open, uh, open for him should that occur, should he decide to go that route and not sign somewhere tomorrow. Uh, and then thirdly, of course, Roderick Pleasant. Again, this is a Southern California kid. He's been on the USC campus about 8,000 times, I'm sure. He's, he has taken official visit to Oregon. He's been up here on unofficial visits as well. Um, it sounds like, you know, it seems like it's a USC and Oregon battle for sure in the end. I think he's been, you know, considered a USC lean for a very, very long time. I know Justin Hopkins over at Scoop Duck and others are reporting that Oregon, you know, is is potentially more of a player here than than we think. And and there may be some good trends in Oregon's direction on that. So something to watch for again on signing day. So uh, Nicholas Harbor will be committing at 10 a.m. Uh, Portland time, uh, local time, uh, West Coast time on Wednesday, and Roderick Pleasant will be committing at 10.30 a.m. Um, on Wednesday as well. And then, of course, Coach Dan Landing will have his press conference at 11 a.m. tomorrow to, to kind of wrap up the class. That kind of brings me to my second topic today, which is kind of talking about, you know, National Signing Day and, and Early Signing Day. You know, if, for those of you who've been following recruiting for, for a while, this is now the fifth year of having the early signing day period in December. Um, and really what's what's occurred pretty quickly and, and it's getting more so and more so every year is that, you know, really early signing day is signing day now. And, and what this traditional signing day is, is kind of late signing day where, you know, the bulk of the prospects, I think, I think I read 98 out of the top 100 prospects signed in the early signing day or something like that. It was well over 95%. Uh, and then same thing in the top, top 200, top 247, that kind of thing. So most guys are signing in that early period. Uh, and, and you're really left with, you know, the, those that are stretching it out for various reasons that, you know, that are signing in the second period. Um, and so I think there is a lot of interest in some parts of college football in changing that, uh, potentially eliminating the early signing day. I think the concerns with early signing day are primarily twofold. One, it's it's kind of right in the middle of bowl season, right? And then right around the end of conference championships and all that stuff. And you're gearing up for early signing day. So it's a little bit of uh, you know, a uh, potential distraction and causes some, some issues with teams that are trying to prepare for those games, trying to prepare for bowl games. And in, and in, in a year and a half from now that are going to be trying to prepare for a first round playoff game that happens in the middle of December, right around signing day. So that's a concern for a lot of, a lot of coaches and a lot of people around the sport. And the other, the other thing being the coaching turnover, right? So you have guys who are getting ready to sign an early signing day. And then all of a sudden their head coach, takes a new job, their coordinator takes a new job, their position coach takes a new job, and they're trying to scramble to to see if they want to stay at their school they're at for that early signing day, which is coming up in a week or you know or so, or they you know want to open up their options and try to find another landing spot, but now spots are full, or they have to like pull their recruitment into the late signing period and kind of drag it on and kind of revisit things then. And so I think a lot of people don't like the way that looks. Um, also from, you know, the transfer portal is also going hot and heavy at that same point in time. So I think there's a desire to, to have a different time period when the transfer portal is blazing and when high school recruiting, um, high school recruits signs. So there's a lot of people that want to just get rid of it all together and go back to February signing day. I'm not a huge fan of that. I, I, I like the early signing day. I like the idea that, you know, players, seniors, players who know where they want to go or firm in their commitment can kind of lock it up, shut out the noise and focus on their senior football season and their senior year of high school. I, I think I like that. I think that's provided a lot of benefit to a lot of these athletes um, compared to the circus um, that, that used to be beforehand. 
Another proposal I heard was to have the early signing day in August ahead of the football season, um, which I think makes a lot of sense from a calendar perspective. If you're, you know, what we're seeing more and more is so many of these, so many of these recruits are committing in the summer. Anyway, they're committing in spring, they're committing in June, they're committing in July, they're committing in August. If they're committed and they, and they're firm in their commitment, why not let them lock it up in August and be done with it? Um, so I, I see the benefit there. Obviously, the concern with that is then, okay, what if the coaches then leave at the end of the season? And I think those are those are legitimate concerns, but I also think those things can be worked around, right? It's a simple matter of, okay, if your head coach leaves, you can get an NIL release and, and sign with a new team if you want, or you can stay. I, you know, so I think there's ways to mitigate that concern, but I do I don't want to like say it's you know it's not a valid concern either. Perhaps one of the most interesting ideas that I've heard floated and that I actually kind of like is, you know, is the whole idea of having a specific signing day or a signing period kind of outdated anyway in this whole era of player movement and player freedom and everything else. I mean, aren't we better off just saying you can sign your national letter of intent whenever you want, uh, you know, past a certain period of time? So I think the thought is, you know, like past your junior year, right? Like, let's say once you once you hit June, uh, of your junior year and now you're technically a senior in high school like you can sign with your program of choice at any point after that um, i really kind of it's really kind of an interesting idea i kind of like it i kind of think it makes a lot of sense for players who who you know they go through the process they're deliberative they take their time and then they're like you know what this is really the team for me i want to lock it down why make them wait four or five six months to, to be able to sign why not let them sign right then and there I think the other thing that that does that the argument I've heard made actually really kind of like too is it, it kind of forces teams, schools to to really be more deliberate about who they're offering, or at least very just dis- they have to distinguish between a committable committable offer and a non committable offer, right? You can't just go and offer eight hundred kids. Um, you you know if you're going to sit there and say, oh yeah, we really want you, and the kids like, okay, I want to sign now. You got to be able to at that point you're going to have to either give him papers that let him sign or you're going to have to say well we'll take your verbal commitment but we're really not ready to let you sign right yet and then that tells that kid something that gives that kid more information like okay you're they kind of want you but you're not top choice and i think that there's something interesting to be said about that i think there's something um that plays into that for for the schools and the athletes and i think that actually could be a really interesting improvement to the system um so yeah, I think I think I'd like to see that happen. That seems a little probably unlikely, but I, it'll be interesting to see, especially when the playoffs expand and that that December mid December playoff round starts happening. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the early signing day and ultimately what changes are made from that. That's all I got for you today. Um, I'm going to try to be back at you again tomorrow, um, and certainly I know we're going to be doing a QB11 episode tomorrow as well. So look out for that, and I'll probably be back with you on Thursday here on Doug's Daily Double. So thanks again so much for listening. We'll talk at you soon.